Hey, this is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. There once was a small American town, and although it sat in the forgotten corner of a giant city, it was much like any other small community around America. Everyone knew everyone else's name and everyone's business. Instead of a stream or a brook, we had the fire hydrant. We didn't have farmer's markets, but we did have a well-stocked bodega. And rather than sitting on the front porch to watch the little world fall by, we sat on our stoops. You know, it seems like an ancient time, like it was some lost city. It was like I had watched it all from the stoops of Atlantis. Author Ruel Dahl said, If you don't believe in magic, you will never find it. Magic is everywhere, and especially in Shelley's Variety Store on the corner of 116th and 1st. I still love going there with my mom and Aunt Dee Dee. The last aisle was the best. That's where the toys were. Remember Coliforms? They always had a great collection. Also, those Aurora plastic model kits of popular monsters. But there was a stand-up rotating rack on which hung the cheap toys. This is where I'd pick a prize if my mom had already spent too much but was willing to appease my pleading. It's where I got my very first magic trick. It was a cup and ball. You place a white plastic ball in the red stemmed cup, put the cap on, wave your hand, say abracadabra a few times, and when the cover was lifted, the ball had been moose to the netherworlds beyond. A place filled with silk scarves, balls, rings, and rabbits of every color. And when I showed this trick to my parents or aunts and uncles and saw their reaction, one of absolute wonder and awe at my eight-year-old prestidigitation abilities. Well, ask any stage performer and they'll tell you, applause is a drug. I quickly realized that performing magic was something I really enjoyed. So for the following Christmas, Santa brought me this magic set. Those are just some of the 15 tricks you will find in this TV magic set. Yes, now you can put on your own TV magic show and have hours of fun entertaining your friends. The TV Magic Set comes with all the equipment and instructions for 15 tricks, plus a complete deck of cards and instructions for 25 card tricks, and a book of 102 other magic tricks you can learn to do. Yet TV Magic Set's only $4.99, available at all thrifty drug and discount stores. It was an amazing box filled with about a dozen incredible tools of the magical trade. Surely they were conjured by mages from the highly secret societies in Egypt. I learned them all, the vanishing silk the multiplying balls, the five little sponge rabbits that morphed in the spectator's hand, mind you, into a single giant fluffy bunny. And every family gathering I would perform to the thunderous applause of my grandma and aunts and uncles, I was a magician. I had powers. I was no longer a regular kid from 118. This was going to win me over to the tough kids and the pretty girls. In class once, the teacher had us all demonstrate something, so of course I did a trick. See, for me, magic was cool. It was a craft and an art and a skill. It took practice and focus. You couldn't have stage fright and freeze up when you spoke to a crowd. Well, I was never shy with crowds, so only with girls. So I did a new trick. I held up an empty plastic cylinder and slipped my arm through to prove it was empty and there weren't any mirrors or rabbits squeezed in there. 
Then I secured two pieces of tissue paper on each end with rubber bands, waved my hand dramatically over the device, and poking my finger through the paper at one end, began withdrawing a long, colorful ribbon from the once empty tube. Thinking back, silk scarves would have been more dramatic, but I got a decent applause and a bunch of dirty looks from the jock guys who were too macho to admit they couldn't figure out how I did it. Did it make me suddenly an icon of cool? No. Kids from East Harlem are jaded and often too cool for school. My geek friends liked it. Why magic is lumped in with geeky pursuits is beyond me. Why anything geeky is perceived as negative is also an internal mystery. But what are you going to do, right? never forget one time at my grandma's house when my uncle Al, who loved my magic, and this guy was a hoot, he was a fishing master and loved telling me his fish tales with the latest giant he caught. And he never needed to exaggerate, he had the photos. He once caught a fish that was bigger than my Aunt Frances. His favorite sentence filler was a phrase that, well, broke a commandment, and he used it, to the distaste of my dad, as an adjective, adverb, noun, and punctuation mark. A typical Uncle Al poetic expression went something like this. Hey, Dominic. Get your god blank pole ready. We'll go out to the blank damn island, rent the GD boat, and catch some of them blankety blank blues on the god blank Long Island Sound. My father loved Uncle Al, but he would bite his lip at the colorful use of the phrase. So anyway, one day during a family gathering at my grandmother's house, Uncle Al asked me if I brought any of my paraphernalia. And my grandmother, her dark Italian eyes bugging, threw her hands on her hips in disgust and shied at my uncle with, Hey, what kind of words are you teaching my grandson? My sisters and I still laugh at that one. Live on stage, Doug Henning presents a new evening of magic and wonder. Master magician Doug Henning, creator and star of three Broadway shows and eight television specials. Co-starring Debbie Henning, introducing their new astounding illusions. The critics rave. Doug Henning is the greatest magician of modern times, says John Mahoney, L.A. Times. Frank Rich, New York Times, says Doug Henning is beyond compare as an illusionist. Don't miss this magical thrill of a lifetime for the entire family. Michael Stryer presents The Magic of Doug Henning, April 18th at the Providence Performing Arts Center. When I was 11 or so, my magic tricks started getting the attention of my buds, Scott and Joe. Scott would take trips to me to Tannen's magic shop with my dad, and his collection and skills began to grow. Joe honed in on card tricks and focused all his attention on those. Anyway, I had, at the time, I had this great set of Lionel trains, the ones with the heavy, solid metal locomotive that my Uncle Ralph had given me years earlier. When I discovered they were worth some money, I told my dad I wanted to sell the trains so I could buy more magic. He didn't think it was a great idea. Thought I should hold on to them. You see, I, I have a very impulsive nature at times. When I have a hobby, it gets 200% of my attention. On the contrary, if, if I have to do something I have no interest in, it gets like 50% if I'm lucky. Anyway, magic was my current obsession. So Joe and I found some guy in a hobby magazine looking to buy old trains. We contacted him, and I sold the set for probably no more than 100 bucks. I'm certain looking back, he got a decent deal. My father was not thrilled when I told him I sold the trains, but he did encourage my magic. Interesting, 40 or so years later, as I write this, I did a quick search on eBay and estimated that that same set would be worth maybe a thousand bucks today, so whatever. At the time, it was worth it. Anyway, it was off to Tannen's shop with Joe, and we bought more magic. So me, Scott, and Joe had a bunch of tricks, but we had no one to show them to except ourselves. So we needed a barn to transform into a theater to put on a show. And there were no barns in East Harlem, but I had the next best thing, my backyard. 
we were going to put on the first mega magic show of a honey teen. We all practiced for weeks. We wrote up a set list. Each of us would take turns performing a trick, about about six each. But we needed a grand finale, a final punch in the gut to the audience to leave them gasping. I told you the joys of the discarded cardboard refrigerator box. If you go way back to episode three of The Stoops of Atlantis, you could be reminded of the magical life cycle of this treasure. But we would use one this time not for a clubhouse or a tank or a slide. No, this time the box with a modification and a black curtain, would be the epic end-all of our show. It was a sunny July afternoon when the audience gathered. My parents, Scott's Uncle George, my sisters, Christopher and Jennifer, our neighbors Tony, Margie, and their kids Colette and Amy. A curtain was set up dividing the yard in half. Behind the curtain sat the fridge box. In front of the curtain, the magic table where the tricks would be performed. It's funny how petty and jealous kids can get, and I was certainly no exception. Scott's Uncle George had built a magic table for Scott, a cool-looking one that folded. I remember being really bitter when he showed it to me. I wanted one. I was jealous. But anyway, we covered it with a magic tablecloth I had. It was black with gold trim. Then the show began. I did my floating ball trick. It went really well and I got a nice applause. And then Scott was next and he did his appearing cane from Silk Illusion. Then Joe, who took a normal sized fan of playing cards and magically transformed them into cards three times their size. The applause was deafening. We were knocking their socks off. Trick after trick went great. But we had an emergency contingency in case we flopped one. I cannot recall which trick was messed up, but Scott was both annoyed he had blown one, but psyched that he was able to pull the emergency cord that dangled in the center of the curtain, which unrolled a sheet of cloth that had a sketch of a donkey on it with the words, Jack Oops, drawn skillfully by Joe. That got a great laugh and turned the blow trick into a plus. I was actually tempted to blow a trick on purpose so I could use it, but Scott beat me to it. It was time for the finale. Pulled the curtain open to reveal the six-foot-tall box with its black cloth curtain hanging where the front rectangle of cardboard had been removed. We told the crowd that it was a special portal to other worlds, and Scott would be the guinea pig since he had blown a trick. He stepped into the box, and we slid the curtain closed. I could still hear Tony shout out, Yeah, he's going to sneak out the secret door in the back. No, he was not. See, that's not how the trick... That was one used by Peter Brady that scared the daylights out of Cindy. No, our method was much more clever much more devious. And no, I'm not going to tell you how we did it. We spoke the magic words and awaited a signal from Scott that we had prearranged. And we waited. And waited. I kept repeating the same thing as we sweated it. All right, right now, uh, Scott's dissolving into another universe. Uh, He might be on the moon or maybe he's in your pocket. I looked at Joe. We really did not want to blow this trick. We had put too much work into it. And then, yeah, Tony said it again. Yeah, he's sneaking out the back door. There was no more time to waste. We did not get the signal from Scott, but it was time to make it or break it. 
We pulled the curtain open, and nothing but pure black faced him. Tony's eyes bugged. He never saw Scott tiptoe from the back door because there was no back door. It was magic. We closed the curtain again. Joe and I waved our arms, reopened the curtain, and Scott was back. The entire block heard the cheers. Scott and I actually got paid to perform a show at an Elks Club in Queens. We were given the gig by my upstairs neighbor. We had followed on stage as Kiss impersonation group who lip-synced and played air guitar. We got a better reaction. And for many summers following, I would perform a show at my Uncle Joe's annual summer barbecue spectacular at his Long Island summer place. After a great day of volleyball, beach frolicking, wiffle ball, and barbecue treats, we would settle into the basement for my show. I have great memories of those shows, and even though my cousin Rocky would sometimes heckle me, I think I inspired the young son of our family friend Joe to get into magic, Andrew. He's now in his 30s, and he actually performs professionally. drifted away from magic for a while. Only recently have I begun to rediscover the joy it could bring. Yeah, you know, magic it really is everywhere. And I don't only mean tricks sold in magic shops. I mean real magic. Don't believe the dull-headed folks who say it doesn't exist. The universe is teeming with it. Heck, it might be made of the stuff. And it definitely existed back then, with or without the paraphernalia on those stoops of Atlantis. Hey, what kind of word do you teach my grandson? This has been The Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future episodes as we journey back to that ancient mythical land that actually existed, East Harlem. And please join the Stoops of Atlantis Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. See you next time.